They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks it in trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. All right, what is up, SoundCloud.com? It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. Glad to be back on the airways with you right here on SoundCloud.com. Joe Donald, John Meeta here with you. Johnny Meets, what's shaking, dude? Not much, brother, not much. Uh, craziness, craziness going on with uh, our football team, man. It's, uh, there's a lot going on. So. It's like a soap opera, dude. Every day is a different drama. You got to love it, though. You got to love it. <laughs> and it's, it seems like every time we do a podcast, the very next day, something breaks. Yes. It's, yeah. the, it's the as the Eagles turn. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. it's it's it is a le- legitimately a soap opera with the way the the Philly faithful are so passionate following everything that happens. And you're right, we've had some we've had some shows, we've had some episodes, and then the next day we feel like just scrapping it and starting over. <laughs> it's a little too late at that point, but something has we seem we seem to precede a lot of breaking Eagles news. Uh, I'd rather be post the breaking Eagles news most likely, unless of course we're predicting it, which. We haven't really done yet, but uh, I digress from that. Again, SoundCloud.com, the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at BelovePodcast. Uh, quick overview for you. We're going to wrap up the Rio Olympics and this Ryan Lochte story. Uh, then we'll jump into the Eagles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll jump into the Eagles, and then I, I also wanted to touch on the Phillies and the return of Chase Utley last week. Uh, I know you have some thoughts on that too, Johnny Mead, and then we're we're going to bust back out Spread the Love, which we hadn't have. Uh, we haven't had as a segment in quite a few podcasts. But first, before we get started, and this is something I did not talk to Johnny Mita about. Well, first of all, before I forget, happy birthday, early birthday, big man. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Turning 21 tomorrow, weather, right? So 21 has never looked so good, buddy. <laughs> guy. So anyway, happy birthday to the big man, Johnny Mita. But this, this, this little diatribe I'm about to go on is not something I talked to John Mita about, but I wanted to throw out there because I'm – I don't want to say I'm concerned as one of the uh, founding fathers of the Brotherly Love podcast, but uh, you know, we, we, when we put this thing together, that this podcast is built on essentially our family and friends. There's probably some randoms out there that tune in. Um, hopefully, each and every one of you that's listened has sent this out. You know, sent out our link because we love the exposure. We 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 try and bring a passionate approach and opinionated approach. Uh, but at the same time, to, to grow this podcast to the level we have, it's been all about the support of the people closest to us. Uh, lately, you know, because I, I post the podcast and I track them a little bit, lately our numbers are down, um, kind of staggering down. So part of that's on us, right? You know, maybe we're not being as creative as we could be. Maybe we're not posting enough or we're posting too much. Uh, maybe we're not doing a good enough job internally spreading the love and getting the podcast out there to folks. Maybe it's just kind of old, meaning after two plus years, you know, people got other things going on. They don't have time to listen to 45 minutes of Joe Donald, John Mead. I get it. I guess what I'm, the, what I'm saying is soundcloud.com, the clicks are down. 
Uh, just 13 clicks on the last podcast, 18 the one previously, 36, 22. You know, we were in that 40, 50 range for a while. Hell, I don't know what I don't know what we did right on uh, June 7th, but we had 91 plays on June 7th, episode 57, John Mita, by far and our way, our most popular podcast. Again, there's a lot of unknown factors in there. It's not a perfect science. But I guess what I'm saying to the peeps here before we get started, if there's something we're not doing, if there's something we're missing, if you want to see a different format, a different approach, whatever, just tell us. Um, or continue to help us spread the love. We thank you for the support over the last couple of years. This is episode 64. We love it. We're going to keep doing it regardless. But it's just kind of, I don't want to say concerning or surprising. I don't know how to phrase it, but, uh, you know, slightly rattled, I guess is probably a good way to put it, with the, with the way kind of things have trended down the last few weeks. Look, I know it's the summer. I know people have other things going on. But football season's starting to ramp up, and I'm hoping that the listenership continues to grow. Well said, yeah. If there's anything we can do. Uh, obviously, Joe and I are trying to get more guests on. I think that also helps drive the numbers. So in a couple of weeks, I'll make sure that we, we get some quality guests on there. But please, you know, give us your feedback. We would love to hear it. You can give us you know, criticism. We don't, we don't care. We just, we just want to hear about it. Amen. That'll make our show get better. So well said, buddy. All right, so let's dive into it then. Episode 64 off and running here on SoundCloud.com. The Rio Olympics closing ceremonies last night. It's now over, and the 31st Olympiad in the books. The U.S. dominating the the medal count uh, by a landslide over Great Britain as far as total medals go. Um, just a great performance by the U.S. Olympic team, but kind of overshadowed at the end because of the incident that happened in Rio involving Ryan Lochte and three other members of the U.S. swimming team. If you've been living underneath a, a rock, you just Google Ryan Lochte, you'll find the story. I'm, I'm assuming most out there have heard it, have read about it. It was first reported, essentially, by Ryan Lochte and his teammates that they were basically mugged at gunpoint on their way back from partying in Rio one night. It was this victim story. It was this, wow, can't believe this would happen. It was a black eye for Rio in these Olympic Games to some extent, especially those people in Brazil uh, that were trying to be gracious hosts. A few days later, of course, the real story starts to come out, and that is that Ryan Lochte and his teammates, and I'm going to pin most of this blame, my opinion, on Ryan Lochte here, being the senior most member, if I'm not mistaken, of the group that was out and, and in question that night, um, he decided to kind of tell a tale that not all of what he initially said was true. They weren't held at gunpoint. They weren't robbed at gunpoint. They actually, the U.S. Olympic swimmers, were the perpetrators. Those that uh, were involved, the four swimmers, they were the ones that basically caused the trouble that they brought upon themselves by vandalizing a gas station, urinating all over the place, acting like a bunch of drunk idiots. Look, we all make mistakes. No shocker here. But uh, Ryan Lochte's... You know, he's a little bit of a different bird. He's not the sharpest tool tool in the shed from what you can you can see and hear when he talks. Um, you know, he, he told Matt Lauer in an interview, quote, I let my team down. He said, I over-exaggerated that story. Uh, it's just, it, it turned out to be a pretty bad, a pretty bad thing for, for Team USA and, and kind of a dark cloud over what was a, a great performance athletically. Uh, he's lost now four sponsors locked he has, including Speedo USA, 
uh, Ralph Lauren, all dropping sponsorships. I don't know if a suspension or a ban is coming from the Olympic team or future USA swimming events, but just a total immature move, um, not something you want to see from any athlete, especially representing the country. Yeah, this was this was so crazy because when it came out, you're like, oh, man. You're like, wow. He was held up at gunpoint. A couple of the other members, you're like, and all the talk before the Olympics even got started was that, you know, security is a problem. It's going to be a problem during these Olympics. And everybody was fearful with the crime rate and the instability of their government and, and law enforcement that this could be a problem. So this was the first kind of incident that the Olympics had where you saw that being a problem. So you thought, oh, man, that's terrible. And then it kind of just a lot of silence. Like, you never heard him come out and speak about it. Everybody was silent. Then he hopped the flight before the others could get out. Then the others got pulled from the other people in the swimming team that were with them that night, got pulled from the plane, and now they're being questioned by authorities. Apparently, the story initially said there was they were going to meet up the Brazilian swimmer at some club, and next thing you know, now you're thinking, were they set up? Did they get robbed? I mean, there's all types of things going on. And then the truth finally gets out. And when a black guy, the uh, United States, as a country, as a team, to have one of your members basically just embarrass uh, the country as a whole uh, by doing this. And you got to give the Brazilian authorities credit for following this story and getting to the bottom of it because it's just, it's just ridiculous. And good, I'm glad that the sponsors dropped them. Uh, according to Darren Ravel of ESPN, it sounds like Lochte's going to lose about, this is going to cost them about a billion dollars. I mean, you're talking about a billion dollars. Like, this guy doesn't really swim professionally. You don't really get paid to win swimming matches. So sponsorship is idle, you know, is imperative as far as his monetary gain goes. And I like the fact that all these sponsors have pulled it. And he is a strange bird. He's always been a weird guy, but this is his legacy. Nobody is going to talk about Ryan Lochte, the great Olympic swimmer. It's going to be like, do you remember the incident in Rio when he corroborated, when he made up some crazy cockamamie story about how he got robbed at gunpoint? I mean, just so bizarre. The whole thing is ridiculous. And, yeah, listen, he's lucky he didn't go to jail. You know, when you're getting in trouble abroad in some of these countries, their penalties sometimes are a little stricter than what the United States are. I don't know, Joe, if you've ever seen this, the, uh, the, mini, or the, uh, the series on television locked up abroad, but I'm going to be honest, with you. <laughs> that's one place you don't want to be locked up in. So, a black guy, all in all, you know, the United States, was, it was fantastic, you know, throughout the Olympics, but this is just a black guy, and it's just, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I that's think a, that's hey, the one that, word. It's that, just embarrassing. Yep. It really is. That's a great way to put it, and the word you used, legacy, is a great term for it, too, because you're right, moving forward, nobody's going to mention Ryan Lochte without mentioning what happened, unless, of course, something trumps that down the line, which could probably only right. mean uh, a bigger smear on his, on his personal image. Um, I yeah. feel bad for the other swimmers because they're going to be the guys now that you always say, hey, wasn't that guy with Lochte? You know, future Olympics, if some of these younger kids participate, it's going to be, hey, he was with Lochte that night. And, and you know, I, my guess would be that Ryan Lochte was driving this bus, so to speak, that he was the one that, 
that took the story to another level, that said, hey, guys, this is how we should play this thing. And then the donkeys came back to the Olympic Village on security cameras acting like they were just out and having a great time. They didn't look rattled. They didn't look flustered. They didn't look beaten up or mugged. They had their wallets as they were checking in through security. So as soon as that video surfaced, their story fizzled. And honestly, um, probably a good thing that it did because there were a lot of people there they were probably in hot water within Rio, and again, a lot of PR campaign spinning that was going to have to go on there, and then it turns out most of it was fabricated by these U.S. swimmers. So disappointing for the Americans to have this kind of occur when it was such a great Olympics overall from a medal standpoint uh, and an overall performance standpoint. All right, let's jump to the Eagles, Johnny Mita, because uh, 2-0 and now in the preseason after a dominating defensive performance on those Pittsburgh Steelers. How about four interceptions of that bum Landry Jones by halftime as the Birds pretty much cruised, uh, defense leading the way. I'm not going to get carried away like last year when they were lighting things up in the preseason and you and I were jumping on the Super Bowl bandwagon. I'm keeping this in perspective. It was Landry Jones as the quarterback for Pittsburgh, but certainly encouraging, again, to see the defense, first, second, third team step up. Yeah, it was – there's a couple people that stood out on the defense, obviously, Nolan Carroll. Yep. Pick six. He made a couple great plays in that game. So it's nice to see that maybe that second quarterback position has become solidified next to Leotis McKelvin. I thought Brandon Graham had a really nice game, just both stopping the run, getting some pressure on the quarterback. And, and granted, yeah, they picked Landry Jones off. He's been known to turn the ball over a little bit. But that's the name of the game was turnovers. For this team to be successful moving forward, with their lack of offense and productivity, I think defense is going to have to be the quarter show. And when I'm talking defense, I mean they're going to have to turn their opponent over, which they did this game, and they're also going to have to limit the amount of points. And they ended up shutting out the Steelers. And don't get me wrong, there were some things that kind of made it third down. They they did have some trouble getting off the field at one point. Pittsburgh converted five out of seven third downs, which is not going to make Jim Schwartz happy. But at the same time, it was kind of like a bend-no-break. When they need to come up with the plays, they did. So that is a good sign. The one Trump, Joe Walker, one of the rookies, who was having a really good training camp, really good preseason. He goes down with a torn ACL injury, and uh, which the Eagles had to address address the duck side of that ball, which they did, and we'll get into that side. But all in all, I thought the defense did a wonderful job. Uh, the offense, uh, that's another story. Uh, Sammy checked down. I, I can't stand <laughs> it. I, I just I cannot stand. Uh... It's third and 17, and we're going to do the four-yard out. Like, what does that do? Like, take a chance. It's preseason right now. Like, you're allowed to make mistakes in preseason. Get the ball down the field. I can't stand the check down. Drives me crazy. It looks like he doesn't even go through his first three reads. He goes, one read, first initial read, not open, boom, check down. But let's think about this from a logical standpoint, okay? If you're Sam Bradford and is beaten up and as beleaguered as your body has been in a handful of NFL seasons, where else are you going other than the check down, the second (laughs) – 
the first option's not there. Because the longer he holds the football in the pocket, the more chance he has of getting absolutely crushed and losing a limb. And so if I'm Sam Bradford, I hate to say it, I'm probably checking down to that back uh, running back out of the backfield nine times out of ten. That's just the reality of Sam as your quarterback. Sam! Oh, God. Right. You mentioned the uh, injury to Joe Walker. We talked about this yeah. a few weeks back. Uh, a few weeks That's back, right. our, our in-person podcast at Stone Harbor, when when rumors were swirling, the Eagles were interested in Stephen Tulloch. Both you and I gave the Brotherly Love podcast stamp of approval. Get it done. It took yeah. a while. Yeah. It took an injury now, but Stephen Tulloch officially joined the Eagles, a 31-year-old linebacker, three million dollar contract, 1.75 million guaranteed. My question for you, John Mita little research and reading I did today. Is there a possibility, or I guess there is a possibility, so let me phrase it this way. From what I'm reading, there's a possibility the Eagles would move Jordan Hicks to an outside linebacker position, which you and I have also discussed here on this podcast, and Stephen Tulloch would essentially move into the middle, which would bump Michael Kendricks as the starter, being replaced then by Jordan Hicks moving to the outside. If you're the Eagles, do you make that move this close to the start of the regular season? Well, I think again, Kendricks has time. missed the first two preseason games with injury. Yeah, I think you do have some time uh, due to the fact that the season's a couple weeks away. The other thing you have on your side is the fact that this guy knows the system. He played for he played for Jim Schwartz in Detroit. But he also played for him in Tennessee. So if anybody knows this defense better than Stephen Tollick, it would be Jim Schwartz. So yeah. I, I, you know, I think it. I think it could happen that way. And then you look at Hicks. I think he's more, I think he's better suited. We talked about it to be on the outside. Yeah. Now, I don't like, I don't like, you know, relegating Michael Kendricks to the bench. And another guy that they signed from Buffalo is that Nigel Bradham. He's the other outside linebacker. But he's shown flashes and Michael Kendricks hasn't played. So we'll see. I think they're going to probably just keep things the way they are, but I wouldn't be opposed to, having Tulloch in the middle, because I just love the way that he attacks the line of scrimmage. He's always willing to take on blocks, and I think Hick is just better suited to play on the outside. And if worse comes to worse, maybe, I, I hate to say it, because you know, I own this guy's jersey, but I mean, do you try to maybe trade a guy like Michael Kendrick? So, I mean, I'll throw that question out to you. I mean, would you be opposed to that? I mean, we need the depth at the position anyway. So, I don't think trading him would be the best possibility, but if you can recoup a decent draft pick that could maybe get you back into the first round next year, it would definitely be something to look at. For yeah, sure. I don't know what kind of what kind of value Michael Kendricks has. It's a fair question though, and I and I do agree with you from the standpoint that um, there's time because even though the the regular season is just a couple of weeks away. You've got an early bye week in your schedule. You've got a couple of winnable games early in your schedule. So I don't think you have to all of a sudden anoint Stephen Tulloch, your starting middle linebacker, and shift Hicks, and then boom, away you go. I think like the offensive line, as we've seen through training camp in the preseason, it's evolving. And I think at this point now the line, the offensive line is set, but that the coaches had a few weeks in the months to, to sort things out. So I think you'll see Tulloch come in and be a backup and get acclimated and get into football shape because you can work out all you want, but uh, missing the large start of training camp, the chunk of training camp at the beginning, is certainly going to cost him. I don't care how old he is. It's you know, it's even harder probably to get your body going at his age, 31, than it is if you're 24, 25. So 
I think they've got some time here. I think the schedule lends itself out nicely where you can, uh, again, make Tulloch that first guy off the bench sort of thing and then go from there. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if by midseason, Stephen Tulloch's not your starting middle linebacker. Hicks is on the outside. Uh, Nigel Bradham's, uh, Bradham's on the outside. And then, you know, Michael Kendricks is all of a sudden a real nice linebacker to be bringing off your bench. Granted, you're not, you're not paying him as a bench player. You're paying him as a starter. But, uh, you know, you got to have the best players on the field overall um so good transition there from the from the loss of joe walker with the acl injury into uh the official signing of stephen tolick the other piece of birds news that again we kind of preceded on our last podcast the next day dorial green beckham acquired from the tennessee titans big wide receiver 23 year old in exchange for backup lineman dennis kelly on, on the surface you think boy the eagles got the better the deal here, but again, offensive line of concern of the Eagles, so they lost some depth there, and they're taking on a guy in Green Beckham with a checkered pass. Four touchdowns last year, 32 grabs as a rookie, but he is not without off-the-field trouble. Your thoughts? I think this is a win-win, uh, and I'll tell you why. The reason why I think it's a win-win situation for the Eagles is because they didn't give up anything. They gave up Dennis Kelly, this journeyman that survived well, now he didn't really survive this regime because he got traded. But he was just a backup offensive lineman at best. And here you get the 40th overall pick from last year's draft. Now, there's all types of concerns with this kid. I've read all about him. I know all about Dorio Green Beckham. I know how he's going up. I know what type of trouble he got in in college. I know the whole background. But the good thing is he's going to get a fresh start here. And I think that's important. The other thing is, the wide receiver position on this football team is wide open right now, okay? The only person that you can say is a solidified starter at that particular group is Jordan Matthews. Other than that, the number two slots open, the number three slots open, the number four slots open, and the number five slots open. So my, my question is, this kid has a world of talent. He has the physical skill set. But like I told you all fair, once this trade went down, the thing that worries me is, do we have the coaches? Are there some veterans in place that can unlock this talent? And the bottom line is, the even, the even bigger picture for this kid is the fact that, does he want to become great? Does he want to become an all-pro wide receiver? Because he's got the talent. The question is, will he put in the mind, the body, and the work? into this to become great. Now I'm a little skeptical. Greg Lewis is the wide receivers coach for the Eagles. Never a big G Lou guy. Did catch his, he is, did catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. And he <laughs> caught Barnes last touchdown for the Vikings. Nah, he stinks. Yeah, G Lou stinks. Nah, he stunk nah, as a player. I have zero confidence in him. When you brought that up to me, you mentioned offline, you sent me a text, I, and it, it was a not a revelation to me, but I was like, damn, good point, Johnny Mita, because, you know, you're right. Maybe it's coaching. Maybe, you know, I hate to say, this might be a bad example, but if, if Chris Carter was your wide receivers coach, does Doriel Green Beckham become a better player? You know? And that and again, yeah. that might sound like a knock at G. Lou, yeah. but that's a great example. you're with me, right? Like, yeah. does this guy have the role models? Does he have the mentors? Is it just about the money for him? Is it just about the fact he made the NFL and now he doesn't care he's living the lifestyle? I mean, you need to find out what makes this kid tick and what makes him tick yeah. on the right side of the street um, yeah. to stay the path. I don't know that Doug Peterson's the guy because I, I don't have any confidence in Doug Peterson. 
uh, as a yeah. head coach. Maybe he proves me wrong, and I sure hope he does. And you you bring up a great point. The wide receiver position is so wide open that who the hell is going to keep this guy in line? You know, where's the where's the Anquan Bolden on this on this wide receiving core that can lock this guy down? That is, you know, what a great name you just brought up. Because I was just thinking about that. I'm like, God, Anquan Bolden ends up signing with the Detroit Lions, but he would be the perfect type of fit to show this kid the ropes. That's the one thing that worries me is there's not one decent veteran wide receiver on this team that could say, hey, young man. You know, let me show you how it's done. However, the Eagles did make a hire. They did hire Dawkins. Brian Dawkins has yep. now become a full-time executive for the team. So maybe B-Daw can help unleash it. Jordan Matthews is a worker. I know he's yep. relatively young, but I think if he can grab onto him, I think that would help because that guy just works each and every day. He's the first at practice and the last one to leave. And, and this guy, my whole thing, too, is with these guys, a lot of people say there was some trouble in Tennessee because the guy didn't know the playbook or he didn't know where to line up. My whole thing is this. Can't we dumb it down for these guys? Why do we have to give out 75 terms? You know, X, Y, banana, fly, right, left, circle, square. Like, stop. Stop. Just make it easy for these guys. Tell them what routes. Just simplify the system. I think it drives me crazy when these coaches want to go into this heavy verbiage with the play if they just dumb down the system. And I'm not trying to say that in a mean way or trying to question like how, how intelligent these guys are. I'm just saying, I think if you make your system easier for the players to grasp, you're going to have better results on the football field. Yeah, just go out and play football, you know. That's it. And uh, that's a great point. Over under 50 catches for Doriel Green Beckham in his Eagles' first year. I've already sent you a case of beer for the over under on the Aguilar catches. At 60. <laughs> I took the over. So, uh, 50 catches? Oh, right out of the over <laughs> Sam Bradford's a pro bowler if this guy catches 60 balls and Aguilar catches 60 balls. Yeah. You know? That would be something. Um, all right. That let's, would- let's shift gears to the Philadelphia Phillies and, uh, as much as I went on a diatribe at the start, I should also say watching the Chase Utley return to Philadelphia and the outstanding showing by the Philly fans, the long ovation, the curtain calls, it could not have been more well done by the city of Philadelphia. And part of me is very disappointed, John Mita, that you and I didn't look ahead to the calendar and say we should talk about this before it goes down as opposed to after it. Uh, we will talk about it now after the fact. But I'm disappointed in us for not looking ahead and saying, damn it, this is coming up. This is something the peeps need to know about and we need to talk about. Regardless, great showing, unbelievable work by the Philadelphia fans. Uh, I'm proud to be a Phillies fan, no question. Watching that on television with the long ovation, the curtain calls, he had a two-home run game, and just great to see the man, Chase Utley, back in Philadelphia. It was just like another historic night. A guy that has played his entire career, beloved by so many members, the Philadelphia fan base, and to come back and and hit two home runs and get the standing ovation and and the praise. A lot of times, players um, listen. Philadelphia is an extremely tough fan base, but if you play the game the way Chase Upley played the game, and I mean he did the dirty work, he played hard, he played injured, he. 
he just gave it everything. At, you're you're going to be beloved forever, just like Brian Dawkins was. And for him to come back. Now, my question to you, Joe, is because some people had a problem with this, is when he gets the grand slam and the Philadelphia fans are still cheering for him, was that too much? Was that over the top? No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, it finally put Philadelphia in the, at least, you know, for that moment, in the scope that nationally they should have been at for a long time, which is a great fan base. Forget all the, I hate to go back to the term, black eyes of Philadelphia sports fans, but you know what I'm saying. To me, this Philly season is lost, okay? It's been lost. They're not going to win. The 500 be a great year. You know, it's Chase freaking Utley, okay? This wasn't, uh, this wasn't, give me another guy that's that's recently gone. You know, this wasn't Eric Kratz coming back in a Phillies uniform or, or two or, two or, you know, two or three years from now, you know, if, if Cesar Hernandez is in a different uniform, I mean, you're talking about maybe the greatest Philly of all time. Okay. Maybe top five, he's on the Mount Rushmore of Phillies players. And so with that, and again, knowing where the Philly season was at and it's his first game back and the way he embraced the ovation, you know, Chase Utley didn't like a lot of that. He doesn't like a lot of, um, hubbub surrounding him ever and to, to have that moment in that ballpark and to kind of reluctantly come out for that curtain call the first time then the second time I mean it was great it was great and and the announcers I I, I watched some of the Dodgers broadcasts because I can't stand Moose McCarthy uh and I actually you know, I watched some of the Phillies broadcasts too that game you know I kind of split it up and both sides were talking about how they they weren't sure they had ever seen a visiting player get a curtain call before, let alone twice in the same game. So for me, it was an unbelievable moment. Chase Utley deserved every single second of it. And sure, it, you know it's funny. You, you know you can boo him. At, you know if he, I think he struck out his first at bat, and they kind of sarcastically booed him a bit. And I just think it. You know that's Philly. That's Philly. Uh, that's the passion of the fan base. You can boo him. You can cheer for him. But at the end of the day, there's nothing but love for 26 Chase Utley. Oh, yeah. It was a uh, special night, and what a way to come back, man. It was pretty sick. When they hit two home runs like that, it was it was unbelievable. Speaking of love. And it was nice to see. Yeah, it was nice to see, you know, that finally, they, you know, hopefully nationally people did report on the ovation. That, you know, like you said, like, I'm tired of people criticizing Philadelphia fan base for all the negative things we do. How about some of the good things? Like, that should have led sports center. You yeah. know, they should have led with what an ovation that Chase something got with his return to Philly right. or something. Well, and on top of that, because of his performance, you know, if he had gone over yeah. four or three Ks, you bury it. But the right. fact that yeah. he, you exactly. know, they're in a pennant race and he's hitting dingers and, you know, and he's yeah. getting cheered by the visiting fans, certainly a unique story. And again, well done, Philadelphia. Um, again, spreading the love from uh, the Phillies fans yep. to Chase Utley. Let's spread the love. On the Brotherly Love podcast, something we haven't done in a hot minute, John Mita. We have not, uh, we have not spread the love. So we'll cue up the romantic music. Uh, you want to start, brother? No, nah, you can start. It. All right. So my spread the love is um, is to the Rio Olympics. Um, look, I understand that not all of the story is told. Bob Ford had a great column uh, as part of the uh, his work with the Enquirer about how NBC portrays things and you really only see the one side of the story, the sportsmanship, the performances, 
Uh, and you don't hear a lot about the, the debt now that Rio will have as a city, uh, some of the, the, the burglaries and that pocket picking um, that went on, right? You don't always see the other side because you're not there in person and, and television, like Hollywood, can make anything seem great. Okay, I get that. I know there's corruption. I know the IOC is corrupt. I'm sure the U.S. Olympic Committee has done their fair share of crappy things. But the thing that I love the most about the Olympics is not only the variety of sports, but it's the dedication of those athletes to, to work for so long to get on that stage and then maybe get disqualified, maybe lose by one one-hundredth of a second, uh, maybe to achieve that medal. Maybe it's a bronze when you were the favorite for the gold and the bronze can be somewhat disappointing. I just love the passion and dedication these athletes show and I especially love some of the sportsmanship I saw. I mean, you watch like some of the female sports, you know, women's volleyball, for example, and they huddle up after every point, win or lose, and they're all smiles. And I, I, I know that some of it's probably not all genuine, but I, part of me doesn't want to be, uh, doesn't want to buy that. You know, part of me believes that there are a lot of good people out there, a lot of good athletes that stand for the right things, that have put in the time and the, the effort, and they know what the competition there is all about, what it signifies for, for the nations, for the country pride, um, and all those sorts of things. And, and they compete against each other on the world stage a lot, some of these athletes. So they know who they're up against. They might know their competitors pretty well. And I think part of me buys that more than the other stuff so after 11 days or whatever it was and all these events and all these medals there is good and bad but I definitely want to spread the love to the Rio Olympics uh, because of the great television watching that it was the performances that were put on and overall I think it's what sport is supposed to be all about the hard work the triumph the failure but at the end of the day the sportsmanship and I think that that's the over the overriding factor for me couldn't agree with you anymore, buddy. That was and just the way it was all put together. There was so much uh, controversy, chaos. You know, how was this going to be put on? Was there going to be trouble? Was there going to be security issues? Were people going to be getting sick? And it, uh, it was just a wonderful display of athleticism, sportsmanship throughout the whole course of the Olympics, and uh, it was fantastic. My um, spread of love goes to uh, one of the Olympic athletes. He's an NBA player who I really don't like. However, uh, I got to give this guy some love, and it's Carmelo Anthony of the USA men's basketball team. Uh, Carmelo is often be called a selfish player, uh, not very good with teammates. Some people think he's a team killer. But this guy ended up winning three Olympic golds in the Olympics, and he will go down as the lead point scorer and lead rebounder in Olympic bas- men's basketball history. So I got to give him props for props was due. Um, he really dedicated himself. He turned out to be a different player in the Olympics than he's played throughout his entire NBA career. He kind of put team first throughout these. So I give the guy, I got to give Carmelo some props on that, man, because I, I just didn't really think he could do that. And he was a great Olympic player, man. And a guy that I just don't think is, I, was, I would say he's a little overrated, but I, I can't say enough. He, when he did the Olympics and, you know, people knew that this was his last go round, and he he was tremendous. And uh, so, you know, spread the love of Carmelo, man. Job well done, and uh, way to bring it home again for the U.S.
Spread the love in the books. Another edition of the Brotherly Love Podcast in the books. Johnny Mead, have a hell of a birthday, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I'm just hoping to get better, man. I got this terrible cold stuff. If I sound all day, everybody, my voice couldn't change. I didn't go any <laughs> operations or anything like that. Uh, I just got a cold. <laughs> hey, man, you were playing hurt today. And that's why we love you. All uh, right, you got it, buddy. Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Spread the love. Appreciate all the support. Back in a week or so, talking more birds. Till next time, we'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.